Welcome back to Building the Bach, and I'm your host, Jason Spies. In our next segment, The Bach and Ripple, we focus on Montana. In this segment, we talk with the CEO of G2IT, Brian Siebel, President of Montana Rigmats, Travis Jordan, and the CEO of Mirror Image Environmental Solutions, Tyson Olson. And this is Brian Siebel of G2IT. Brian Siebel at G2IT. And you guys are out of Montana, is that Correct, right? right. We're headquartered in Billings. Uh, talk a little bit about the genesis of G2IT. Right, we're a, a service and technology provider. We started in 2011 with just an idea. There are three of us that founded the company, all engineers. Started out with an idea to try to address the issue of flaring in the Williston Basin in the Bach. And we've been on the ground in the Williston since 2012, since the summer of 2012. And we're out there right now. We're growing our business. We're getting more and more systems out there and, and really, really starting to work to address the, the flaring issues as far as remote capture technology goes. That's what our specialty is. The G2's core business that we've developed is really well site applications of NGL extraction technology. So we produce a nice stream of NGLs, natural gas liquids, as well as a stream of conditioned residue gas can be used for a lot of other value-added processes. Are you selling that NGL or are you extracting it for the midstream company then to sell? We actually, that NGL product belongs to the operator okay. on the, of that well and it belongs to the owners and the royalty owners of that well. We never take possession of it. It always belongs to the operator and they, it's, they're, they're responsible for, for setting up a contract to get it sold and we will help with the logistics of getting it moved to market, but they're the ones responsible for the pricing and we wanted to stay completely out of the ownership side of the because they don't belong to us. Just overall, just regulations and oil industry. Sure, sure. I have lots of opinions. I have an opinion on everything. But from my perspective, you know, Montana is, is challenged more geologically than we are from a regulatory standpoint on the oil and gas side. And we actually have, and, and I think it's a very important aspect in Montana, is that we, we still have a drilling tax incentive in place. For horizontal well, there's an 18-month holiday on oil and gas severance taxes for that horizontal well that North Dakota doesn't have. So if an operator moves into Montana and drills a Bakken well, he's got 18 months of tax-free production. It's caused a lot of controversy, but we've we've been able to keep that in the legislature, keep it keep it from being repealed because explaining to the legislators that Montana is challenged. We are, the, the Bakken, we're coming out of the depot center of the basin. There's more water production, the economics are more challenging, and the oil rates are lower. So we're, we need to incentivize operators. And, and that really goes to the theme, Jason, of what my stance is on regulators is they need to be there. They need to enforce the rules that are in place. I do not want, even as a, as a service provider of an environmental service, I do not want to see mandates. I do, that's the last thing that I want to see is, is operators mandated to use us. I want to incentivize them with a good economic approach. And what I want the regulators to do is make it, make it possible to do, not stand in the way of progress, and also put as many incentives in place to, to incentivize the operators. There's always that unspoken word. You know, there's a lot of pressure on operators now, even if it's not written from the regulators to do something and the operators are responding well to that. I don't want to see a mandate. I like to see incentives. I think incentive-based, you know, and, and, and to be honest with you, the legislature in North Dakota enacted a, a, a bill last year that, that, that placed some incentives. It expanded expanded the options available for uh, technologies like ours and expanded some incentives, took away the, t natural the tax on natural gas liquids, for example. Huge economic incentive. You mm -hmm. could flare, it didn't cost you anything. You produce NGLs with G2IT, all of a sudden you were paying severance taxes on those NGLs when you could have flared it and not paid any taxes. Now you don't pay severance taxes on those NGLs. Helps our economics, helps the, op the operator's economics. That's good regulation, that's that's good incentive. So that's what I would like to see from a regulatory standpoint. And, and in Montana, we're just gonna have to, uh, we're just gonna have to keep fighting and hope for a higher oil prices because that's really what's going to dictate the activity in Montana is, is higher oil prices when those reserves become more and more economic based on those prices. And that was Brian Siebel of G2IT. Next, Travis Jordan, 
Montana Rig Mats. So my name is Travis Jordan, and I'm the owner and president of Montana Rig Mat. And uh, how long have you been doing business in the Bakken? We've been here a little over two years now. How did you start out? We were the product of the 2009 crash, and we needed we needed some work for our guys, and we were electricians. And so we drove over here in a minivan and says, what can we find to build for this area? We saw a need for the rig matting and started to educate ourselves on the product and, and on the needs of the industry. Canada uses these rig mats almost exclusively up there because there's regulations, I guess. And and I'm, I'm speaking loosely here because I'm not familiar with the Canadian law, but I was talking to some uh, uh, midstream companies from Canada, and they said, oh, yeah, everybody uses rig mats up there because they have to. Exactly. Um, can, can you elaborate on that a little bit? I, I understand it has something to do with the reclamation of the land. Exactly. There's there's several different factors. Um, Canada is, most of the oil in Canada is on crown land, and so the government is very interested in the entire process. And so they have deemed that it's to their best interest in saving money and in saving the environment to reclaim that land and leave as little footprint behind when they're done drilling as possible. So often they'll mandate, just like North Dakota is doing, the pipelines be installed prior to the well being com coming online, different things. When those pipelines are there, the need for that big pad to be in there and pulling trucks in there every day to, to haul that oil off is not nearly as acute. And so they'll go in and they'll map the entire location first put down a liner and map the location. That preserves the native flora and fauna. And then when they're done with the product, with the with the location, they remove the matting, remove the liner, the, your native rootstocks are still there. Your reclamation becomes very easy and much more intuitive because you aren't having to find these you know, rare different plants to replant there that were native to the area. Then they'll come in and rock just the area around the wellhead itself for the 40-year life of that well. So it, it leaves a much smaller footprint. That land can be, it's already reclaimed instead of having to spend money on reclamation. And it gives them the opportunity then to have that be arable farmland or, or whatever environmental use it was originally there for. I was talking to some wildlife lobbyists, uh, talking to a several other outdoor enthusiasts at a uh, convention recently. And it got me thinking a little bit about when I toured uh, an oil rig and these rig mats were not there but there was a rock mm -hmm. and it got me thinking about what the wildlife people were talking about uh, about the these rocks on these drill sites and with your product with these rig mats for example um, do, do you know much about that because my, my understanding is that they leave the rock behind yes they do and that's not good for the environment well rock is a pollutant and if it's put in a place that you don't want it to get it removed is just like decontaminating anything else. You can't farm rock. <laughs> I, I used to pick rocks as a kid, man. That was like many summers for me, and that's what I got thinking going, well, if they just leave this rock behind, they're just creating a lot of work for me as a kid. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you also touched on a common misconception that was a hurdle for us when we first started in the industry. We were told often that they're not using rig mats in North Dakota. They're not using rig mats in North Dakota. Every oil rig in North Dakota that I know of. There may be a couple of older rigs yet that, that were designed for no matting, but almost bar none, all of the walking rigs use a matting solution underneath them that's a, that's a rig mat. And almost 90 plus percent of them are a steel frame rig mat like we produce. And they're completely covered by the rig. You only see the little pipe ends sticking out from underneath them. 
but they're on every rig. And the difference that, that we're talking about with the environmental side is that, you know, whether it's the steel frame rig matting or the all wood access matting, but a, a matting solution can be employed for the entire location and be very cost effective. And it would be a, a much bigger matting, you know, numbers, volume, but it would, it would be a cost effective solution for the producers and the Canadians have proved that. And that was Travis Jordan of Montana Rig Mats. Next, Tyson Olson, Mirror Image Environmental Solutions. Uh, tell me about your company, Mirror Image Environmental Solutions. So Mirror Image Environmental Solutions is a uh, obviously an environmental company. Um, you know, we focus on reducing the impact on the environment, obviously, through a few different verticals. Um, primarily, our first vertical we you know, we're involved in uh, heavily is our field services. We do a lot of, you know, remediation, spill response. Uh, we do a lot of tank cleaning. Um, chemistry is kind of our background, and so uh, we're able to reduce the amount of time that it takes to clean uh, tanks. And, um, and we try to we try to manage the waste stream um, to where we can bulk waste streams, and then also at, at times treat waste streams to um, have less hazardous. Um, chemicals uh, go into our landfills and you know which also eventually has an impact somewhere down the line um, the second vertical that we have is that we have a, uh, um, a lubrication product or lineup of products um, it's a metal conditioner that goes in various carriers grease and transmission fluids and uh, we actually um, are able to reduce you know grease consumption by about 50 percent with this current technology and so that's a long discussion I won't get into that much further but and then last but not least um, we do a, we have a staffing solution where we provide trained manpower to come in and try to reduce um, you know OSHA reportable incidents uh, make sure that we're helping manage waste streams in the wash bay which is where a lot of your um, you know your gray water will go back into the city we try to prevent any any uh, you know hazardous materials or um, contaminants go into that city land or the city waste streams. Mm -hmm. um, so we try to prevent all those things from happening. Um, we try to help our customers as a solutions provider. Let's not wait till the the accident happens. Let's prevent the accident from ever happening, and we can do that in their wash base through you know some of the, the core competencies which we believe we have, which is chemistry or chemistry knowledge. Are you seeing people move in as opposed to moving out to North Dakota or moving that sort of thing? Is six hours away is close enough to? Yeah, I mean, let's face it. I mean, uh, North Dakota is not the most glamorous place on the planet. You know, I mean, it is it is nice, and there's a lot of great um, local people. Um, I think like they think they feel like their uh, their space is being tread on, and and you seeing a lot of those people move just far enough away that they too still are close to home. Mm -hmm. You know, but. Um, I would, I would hate to say that I don't think there's many families that are just dying to get in North Dakota. I mean, it's not a, I think the environmental, the environment will improve over time, um, but, you know, the male to female ratio is so um, skewed that it's not an environment, in my opinion, for a family, it will be, um, but it's going to take a lot of infrastructure to where um, families feel like they can be safe in the Bakken, mm -hmm. um, and I think that's an issue that will get resolved, it will resolve itself over the next couple of years. And that was Tyson Olson of Mirror Image Environmental Solutions. To listen to the entire feature, The Bakken Ripple, visit our website, buildingthebakken.com. It's been 18 years since I've been back home. I don't know if these arms are open, if the door slams shut, I'll fall down and die. I've got something in my eyes.